Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go. Hour two on a great day for talk radio. I don't know about you, but I've been filling out my brackets right here. Nothing to do with March Madness. Uh, just I put all these things into silos like uh, complete idiot, incompetent, uh, not doing a good job. And I've listed a bunch of names of various people in high places. And uh, goodness knows there's a lot of fodder here or grist for the mill, as we'll discuss Throughout the hour ahead, as well as into hour three with our panel and topics worthy of discussion, we'll also get to Ontario's NDP uh, critic for colleges and universities who, I guess, supported the uh, walkout at various campuses, 17 in total across the province, because the young people want free tuition. You know, it's just like everybody wants something, the handouts. And, uh, you know, Bill Morneau was trying to oblige them yesterday with a budget. But I, uh, again, would issue the caveat. It's not really free. That's a misnomer. It's like free health care. You know, somewhere along the line, somebody magically is paying for it. Uh, and if you want to know who that is, uh, take a good long look into a mirror real close to you or just anything shiny that would give off a reflection. That being said, uh, there are some things in the budget that I wanted to address here with our friend John Carmichael, who's joined us on the line. He's a business leader and former conservative member of parliament. So, John, good afternoon and welcome. Hey, John, good to hear from you. Yeah, likewise, uh, nice to have you on board. I know you've been uh, a tenant to the automotive industry for a long, long time, and we've talked about this in past programs where, you know, uh, trying to entice people or encourage them to buy e-vehicles is a big initiative. Now, uh, the government yesterday, Mr. Morneau, was saying they would uh, pony up $5,000 for e-vehicles or hydrogen fuel cell vehicles up to $45,000. Will this be enough to incent significant numbers of Canadians to go that route? Well, I I think there will be lots of Canadians who will take advantage of the program uh, because it's available, but I don't know that it's going to increase sales to any degree. I think we've seen that in the province of Ontario. Um, You know, the numbers just didn't bounce. And the the criticism, as you know, of the Ontario program was that it covered uh, all the way up the entire spectrum of electric vehicles into the 100,000-plus vehicles. And um, and covered off great incentives, and the incentives were terrific, but people were just weren't biting. They just didn't. Uh, they just didn't go fishing where the uh, where the product was. And there's great product out there. The electric vehicles that are on the market today are are terrific, but people just aren't snapping them up. And uh, the Ontario program proved that it was around for what 12 years, mm. and uh, and collapsed amidst. Uh, the last government, and um, and clearly was a problem. Well, if I remember correctly, I think there was some uh, outrageous number that was projected by the year 2020 that there would be 1.7 million or something like that electric vehicles in the province. Yeah, we were like uh, what two percent of that, uh, <laughs> if that. Uh, I mean, they they uh, they were just clearly dreaming in Technicolor. It was it wasn't working. It didn't have any uh, any legs, and I think. In one of your programs, we even talked about the infrastructure to support the um, the electric vehicle um, uh, market. There just weren't enough charging stations around the province, so the province, in the last number of months, figured that might help. 
but uh, too few, too far between, and uh, and the pro the uh, the program went up in smoke. But yeah, they uh, and and again, even even in this latest budget that came out yesterday, uh, they they're talking about target selling of 10 percent of zero emission vehicles in Canada by 2025, and 100% by 2040. And that's coming through some environmental and social groups who are, I think, actively advising the government. Now that, <clears throat> again, those numbers just uh, just don't make sense in terms of total content. But what you're saying, basically, the real uh, fly in the ointment here is that we don't have the infrastructure to support these e-vehicles. Well, exactly. And uh, now that that is one of the uh, elements that the government uh, in, in yesterday's budget took uh, took to task. They're going to build more um, more charging stations. And I think the budget's somewhere around $182 million over six years to establish hundreds of these charges across the country. Again, that that seems like a very little uh, in terms of investment uh, for something that's quite expensive in terms of bu- building these uh, these facilities that are going to be able to uh, to do the job. John Carmichael's on the line, former Conservative Member of Parliament as well as business leader. Now, just in general terms, as an overview, uh, what did you make of yesterday's budget? I mean, it was being... Uh, I guess, in anticipation uh, that there was a lot that was going to be in there for the middle class or those aspiring to join it, as the aphorism would say. What was your takeaway? Well, I, uh, yes, I, I think there was some that was there for the middle class when you look at the housing programs and some of their attempts to, uh, to reach into uh, first-time home buyers, for example. But I think there was a, there was, uh, a bit of a hope uh, from, from the Liberal side that this was going to be a a solid pre-budget or pre-election budget, and I'm sure was very disappointing in terms of uh, those who were looking for something that was going to uh, change the channel from the SNC-Lavalin scandal and and move move people off that and over to, you know, a budget that's going to uh, put the Liberals back on top. And I think. Um, I think that those who were looking for that were seriously disappointed. Yeah, it seemed like it was uh, rather less than impactful uh, because it hasn't really mm-hmm. changed the channel on SNC-Lavalin. We were talking to your former colleague, Lisa Raitt, who's the deputy leader of the opposition now, and they're planning on a marathon session through the night into the wee hours and uh, early tomorrow morning as well because uh, they want to bring up a lot of these uh, confidence votes, I guess, more than 200 that will sort of stall things, but it's getting to, uh, I guess they're making a statement to tell the Liberals, this ain't going away anytime soon, even though you closed up the Justice Committee. Uh, they're continuing to pursue it, rightfully or not. Yes, well, I think, I think Lisa Raitt's doing an outstanding, outstanding job in, in leading that charge for, uh, for the opposition. And um, I mean, she's a powerhouse in the House to begin with, but, um, but clearly uh, she's got this thing uh, in her sights and she's not going to let go of it. So... I, I think the um, and and you mentioned this marathon voting session tonight. I sat through a few of those, and I can tell you they are no fun uh, for anybody. They're uh, they're long, they're arduous, and uh, you have to be in the house and you have to be there to count your vote. And you can't get up and leave, and uh, it it can be downright ugly. You bring in food though, don't you? I mean, you order out. Well, you you can eat it outside. You can't bring it into the. Uh, oh, you can't. The, well, you're not supposed to. Oh. They. They bring in snacks and things that, you know, you can hide in your desk. But uh, in theory, that 
it's, it's it's against the rules, John. Oh, I didn't know because you know uh, I thought maybe Elizabeth May is tucked way back in the corner there, and uh, she well, can I, get. A... I think I've seen her sneaking a few buns over the time, but I, I don't. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> no, noticed don't her. <laughs> I gotcha. All right, again with John Carmichael. I wanted to pursue something else on the automotive front because uh, I know you've been attentive to the GM product all your adult life. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Diaz now still says uh, he's maintaining an open relationship with the folks at GM headquarters in Detroit and just came back from a parley with them. I'm much more confident today than I was a month ago, he says, and together we'll find a resolution. He says uh, he's hopeful that they can forestall some of the people losing their jobs or whatever. He can save some of the GM's not going to maintain the line after uh, the fall, as we know of this year. Right. Uh, So what is Jerry on about here? You know, I don't know. I, I, somebody obviously um, threw something on the table that made some sense, which, which um, listen, I, I'm an Oshawa fan. I think uh, General Motors has been uh, extremely important in the life of Oshawa uh, for decades, and uh, it's a tragedy to see this happening. But at the end of the day, you've got a plant and product that is not productive. They, they, they're not building uh, current saleable product out of that plant. They've got to retool and, and reinvest if they're going to bring product in that uh, that con- Canadians or consumers across North America want, and um, and that seems to be a challenge. Now, if they can, if Jerry Diaz can can negotiate a solution to keep some of those folks working, listen, I'm I'm all for it. I I think that'd be great. But one of the things we heard yesterday in the budget again is the move from sort of old technology or legacy technology, manufacturing of vehicles, for example, to, uh, you know, more of a tech trade, more of a, a high-tech environment and training, et cetera, that's being provided for that. Um, General Motors specifically uh, has 2,500 employees in, uh, in Oshawa that uh, will be directly impacted by the closure of the plant. Somewhere in the neighborhood of half of those people are getting very significant uh, retirement payouts, which is good for them, good for their families. They'll have to retrain and work. Some of them, I presume, will actually retire. But then the balance have to be retrained and, and find alternate employment just to care for their families. And um, my understanding is that General Motors has committed to hiring up to 5,000 new tech jobs, high-paying, good-paying tech jobs in the greater Toronto area, which would be Oshawa, Markham, Toronto, and um, so there, there are going to be uh, alternate forms of employment coming out of this. In spite of the loss of the 2,500 mechanical jobs, you're going to have these 5,000 new tech jobs over the uh, the coming, uh, I presume it'll be a couple of years, but uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't know if that's part of what Jerry Diaz is negotiating with uh, with General Motors in Detroit. And finally, on the high-tech front, interesting what Volvo said. Uh, they're planning uh, another step in, uh, I guess, the ambition to end fatalities. Uh, and this is with the issues of intoxication and distraction. So they're going to do overrides within the car, in uh, car cameras and everything, monitoring human behavior. And if they uh, sense, I guess the sensors tell them that something is uh, not going according to Hoyle with the driver, uh, they're going to mitigate all of that, maybe slow the car down or pull it off to the side of the road. It's like the autonomous vehicle overrides the person in charge. Uh, good development? 
Well, I think it's really interesting. I mean, uh, I, we've all been hearing about the moves in technology and vehicles and what they're going to do. And now we're, we're actually hearing some practical applications where we know that, you know, uh, deaths by, uh, by intoxication and, and driving are, are significant across our highways. And uh, is this going to be uh, putting a camera in the car, putting a, some sort of a, a sensor in the car that's going to uh, have the, autom- uh, the, uh, the AI to, to do the job and drive the car? pull you over, do whatever it has to do to park the vehicle. That's what I'm guessing. I, I think it's uh, I think it, it's got incredible potential. Uh, I'll have to wait and see it. I guess that's it for me driving. I don't know what that means, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, well, you know, if the AI is a better driver than we'll have to We'll have to get one of these cars and just uh, get them to park it and pick us up. Pretty much. Uh, it should do more of that thinking for me as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, maybe pay any fines, you know, parking rates and things like that. John, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for weighing in this afternoon. John, thanks for having me. You got it. John Carmichael again, business leader and former conservative member of parliament. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.